listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage of the NASP 2023 Annual Meeting and Expo. This is Specialty Pharmacy's premier event. This three-part series will feature industry thought leaders and healthcare veterans from around the country who come together to shape and change the future of specialty pharmacy and the patient journey. To learn more, visit the NASP at naspnet.org. That's N-A-S-P-N-E-T dot org. And now, here's part three of the three-part series with our host, C of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri. The most comfortable aspect of the pharmacy industry for me was technology. That's how I entered pharmacy. NASP relies on technology partners to advance the profession. Keycentrics has been that partner for years, as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. I want to introduce um, Keycentrics to the 2023 NASP Post Show. We have Keycentrics here, actually right across from the booth from the NASP. Introduce you, your team, tell us about the advancements of specialty um, workflow and what Keycentrics is doing to advance specialty pharmacy. Yeah, sure, thanks. Uh, uh, my name is Nick Reese. I'm the director of sales for Keycentrics. Uh, I think, as you said, uh, Keycentrics has always been kind of the staple as far as technology goes. Um, looking at the future of technology in specialty pharmacy, I think it's really important. Um, you know, it, technology advances so quickly, and the most common thing that we hear is access to data, reporting, understanding the growth, and having kind of your hand on the heartbeat of your organization and understanding how you're going to run. Um, the what we're doing or what we have done in specialty is uh, create a great foundation um, based upon uh, our current clients that we have and understanding the market, the changes in the market and really being able to create a a solution that has a strong foundation but has a a, um, configurable aspect. Because everybody has their secret recipe, Mm -hmm. Um, and with that comes a little bit of a change. And being able to adapt to that change has really helped us in the market be able to provide a solution that's stable for everybody for growth as well. Um, As you look at the future, there's a lot of things that are happening, not only on the technology aspect, like a vacuum happening with some of the vendors out there, but also um, you look at the emergence of AI and uh, where does that really come into play when you're looking at um, building a solution, right? And all the other different aspects. So when you're looking at home infusion or just infusion market as a whole, there's a lot of things that, that are needed in order to be able to tackle those markets. Um, When you're looking at a dispensing solution or you're looking even at it like EHRs, uh, there's no real silver bullet, but what you can do is make sure that you have a strong foundation and have a strong development team to be able to modify your solution and create good partners within the, um, the community to be able to offer a solution that is fully encompassing and feels like you're not really leaving the solution. And that's what we're really trying to focus on and provide um, as the, the environment is changing. Um, with that AI aspect is, um, you know, there's a lot of things that are changing. We're waiting to see what really comes out of, you know, the chat GBTs and all that, mm-hmm. all those that are changing. You don't ever, for a company like ours that has built a, a reputation of stability, 
um, we don't want to just jump into something without really understanding the direction of it. Um, and really what we're trying to focus on is, is the partnerships that we can provide and, and watching the market, how it changes. Because um, you want to be able to predict and be able to run projections. And a lot of that is based on data. And uh, so we're just kind of watching how that evolves and making sure that we, we still have that foundation to be able to uh, adapt, um, connect, interoperability, that sort of scenario. Before Keycentrics got to the picture, when I entered pharmacy, my goodness, mm -hmm. 20 years ago, SQL was brand new mm -hmm. to the market. We mm -hmm. were talking about character systems that couldn't, wouldn't, didn't allow any pharmacist to do anything but work within the system. There was no export, exporting data or anything. Now, race ahead, API, Fire, mm -hmm. um, you know, HLT or HL7 integration, all of that mm -hmm. um, is really customized workflow, customized systems. Mm -hmm. When I think of the different styles, the different focuses that these specialty pharmacies have, customization's great, but, but when you're a software company and you're putting updates out or you're changing something as you move forward with code, customization can be um, an issue in some ways. So mm -hmm. talk to us about customization with, with the key-centric system. So when you, it's a good point about the SQL database, on-prem versus SaaS, you know, hosted solution. Everybody has a different terminology for SaaS, right? right? Um, but what we look at as far as um, being able to have a SQL database on-prem, giving you the availability of hosting it yourself in like AWS or Azure. Um, so it depends on your infrastructure for IT, right? Having that flexibility for one. Um, I think it's really important to be able to provide that so you have real-time access to your own data. Um, what I think is, is a really important part, because a lot of people have a BI overlay, um, is be able to have that reporting within the system, being able to extract all data points to where you can use your BI to combine different locations, different business lines, that sort of thing. Within the platform, um, I'll speak for Keycentrics as a whole. Uh, the, the configurability is more based on uh, specific workflows. So being able to uh, subtract specific workflows, having the availability to have automation within, um, within the platform, and then also being able to build within the platform as well, whether it's custom fields or um, working with our development team to really make sure that we are understanding your recipe mm -hmm. and uh, being able to build for that, but uh, giving you a, a good timeline to understand, hey, this is a level of effort, the expectations, and kind of building that out as well. Um, but those are the customizable aspects that I think everybody needs and isn't really available, and that's really what's been kind of a, if you look at our secret recipe, it's been having that development team that's allowed, allowed you to um, have those, those changes within the solution uh, and having that flexible workflow scenario. Talk to me about the strength of partnerships. There are organizations out there that Keycentrics will build interfaces into. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned automation. We know that AI is coming. I think of a pharmacist that is now assigned, a prescription comes in, the NDC is chosen, based on the NDC, now you have an entire directory of, um, of possible outcomes that the patient might 
um, titrate into in maybe the ninth day or the tenth day. There's a, um, an influx of uh, patients that have nausea, for example. What kind of data is presented to the uh, specialty pharmacist and the specialty pharmacist team from Keycentrics in those libraries? And are you relying on Keycentrics, or do you have those partnerships that you're working with to expand those services for specialty pharmacy? So that's part of the thing that's evolving, too, is, is who's not only the partnership, but who's, who's done it right. Um, what we want to make sure is that we're capturing the documentation uh, using us as a, a record of truth, uh, but also if we are looking at partnerships to, to capture uh, specific data, whether it's um, a therapy partnership or it is, it, I mean, you had a very specific standpoint, but there's a lot more to that. Yep. There's billing aspects, there's portals, patient portals, all those sort of things. You want a good partner that's not only well-recognized within your, um, you know, healthcare as a whole, pharmacy in particular, but um, also fits uh, your path of, of trajectory as well. And so when we look at partnerships, we want to make sure that it's not something that we're just uh, building for one in particular, yeah. but, but um, we're able to adapt to a lot of different, um, a lot of different uh, business lines, right? So whether it's compounding or infusion or home infusion or just specialty as a whole, you know, yeah. we, we look at it as a strategic partnership. Um, and the fact that we have APIs to be able to really do connect with anybody that we, we really want to, it's a strength, but um, we, we go about it very strategic because we can't just um, provide that for everybody because you know, it becomes a bandwidth problem. Mm -hmm. But we want to make sure that we have those availabilities um, that bring everything back to us as the record of truth. Excellent. Nick, Keycentrix, congratulations on your new location in Wichita. I heard it's going to be wonderful, and I heard a rumor that you're going to have a podcast studio there. Yes, we are. Yep. i got to come out and yeah, see this. I expect so you there. I've invited myself. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't heard it already. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. All right. Thank you. NESV 2023, we are here. Just got to meet Richard Brooke. I want to talk to you, uh, Richard, about, you were telling me about the poster um, and, and, and how you're actually associated with that with NASP, but there's other things that you're doing to bring value to the association. Tell our listeners about yourself and, and what you're doing here at NASP 2023. Well, well, let me start by saying several years ago when NASP was forming, um, we had very few poster representations, and we realized that if you're especially pharmacy, there's very few places you can share your data. If you have a disease that you're treating, there's a lot of places you can take that information. But if you're focused on specialty pharmacy delivery, uh, processes, there was no place for it. So we really built up the abstract program. And I've been fortunate to be the posters and abstracts chair uh, for a number of years now. And if you had a chance to look at some of the great research being presented by NAS participants and members, uh, we've really grown it from, as I said, like three back in some of the early years. So I think we're about, about 80 this year. It's incredible. Um, so what does the poster do in order to amplify research and then take it to the next level? Kind of describe the ecosystem of it. Sure. Well, you know, we have a lot of specialty pharmacies that provide very specialized care in disease states. You have your infusion-based companies. You have your companies that are um, focused on one or more diseases, your MS companies. And what happens is 
um, people don't really think about specialty pharmacy in that way. They think about the pharmacy in their retail organization. And as the different specialty pharmacies build out processes to increase adherence, compliance, make sure they educate patients, get them the right drugs they need, there's really a limited venue for them to showcase what they do and differentiate themselves, or really show where they excel. So a manufacturer might say, ah, you know, I have a product that has that high touch patient need, I should be talking to these people. So what the poster session does is allows people who are especially pharmacy organizations to showcase that, and it also allows us to educate other specialty pharmacies about how to emulate what they're trying to do. We don't want to ever give away trade secrets, yeah. but we want to <laughs> showcase what makes us special in the world of specialty pharmacy. So in the world of specialty pharmacy, what else are you doing other than the association support uh, through the posters? Tell us about your work. So I'm a president of a company called Better Health Worldwide. And we manage the lives of about 4 million U.S. employees plus their spouses and eligible dependents. And we recognized early on that it's really important to have integrated data. So in the SP world, especially pharmacy world that is, we have really in good information about you know, who your insurer is, uh, who's home to receive the medicine, and it's very focused on that, but we sometimes le limit and we don't have the full picture of what's going on on the medical side. Um, working with my employer data, uh, we're fortunate that um, we can not only track the employee, but we can track their spouse and their dependent child, and we get a really holistic view where we can take all their medical claims, their prescription claims, and we can also look at the impact on their ability to show up at work. I've heard had people tell me, um, women with breast cancer, that they really want to go to work and not just sit home and, and, and think about their disease. I've had other people say to me, well, I'm sick. I don't really want to go to work. Yeah. So that's a question for itself. But we can look at the impact of diseases and therapies on uh, disability claims, short-term, long-term disability. If um, somebody is at work and they're driving a forklift and they get dizzy and they drive the forklift off the loading dock, which does happen, we get that under workers' comp claims. And so by integrating all that data, we get a real holistic view of the total impact on the patient. And we can also look at a year down the road, are they still working? Mm -hmm. Are they taking off time uh, under family medical leave to manage their spouse or child? And is there a difference between drug A and drug B, or even the, the disease itself? So that's what we try and focus on on my research, but uh, we have a poster on some hep C data that we're sharing today, and we really wanted to highlight that because we have such great information on each patient in our database, we can do things with smaller databases then we, we don't need to have everybody, when, when they take your blood test, they don't take all of your blood. Yep. They, they take a little vial and they're able to do things with it. And we want to showcase what we can do with our data. Richard, it's been good to have you as part of the post show. I'd like to follow up with you and get you on the NASP podcast as we move forward with some updates to our listeners about things that are happening that are very apparent that they should be aware of. Oh, that would be great. Uh, anything we can do to help support NASP and make sure that the patients that we aim to serve get access to the medicines that they need. Thank you, Richard Brooks. Appreciate you. Thank you.
Russell Robbins is here with me at the NASP 2023. We're at the booth in Dallas. This has been a wonderful conference. Russell, thanks so much for being part of the Post Show. My pleasure, Todd. Good to be here, too. All right, so let's talk specialty pharmacy. What does your organization do, and how are you advancing the profession of specialty pharmacy? That's a great question. So we are at Purple Lab. We're a healthcare claims data aggregator. We take medical claims, pharmacy claims. Through a relationship we have with that event, we tokenize all of that information with social determinant information. So all of the de-identified attributes of the patient get brought over to the medical and to the pharmacy world itself. So if you have, uh, for any pharmaceutical, but particularly for specialty pharma, if you're looking for a specific drug and trying to understand who's getting the drug, who isn't, what groups are or aren't getting the drug, we have the ability to help you with that type of analytics to figure out where are the disparities and the discrepancies so you then can address them and correct them. You know, there was a, there was a podcast I did on clinical trials and our special guest um, was talking about how different uh, sectors of the country were not represented in some of those clinical trials. This reminds me kind of that subject and how that impacted the outcomes. No, absolutely. So we do that for, you know, to meet the FDA requirements for diversity within clinical trials. So for any given physician, we can see the composition of his or her practice and compare that physician to others in the specialty, in the region, in the state, or nationally. So if you're trying to have diversity in a clinical trial, we can set up a list for you to identify which physicians have prior clinical trial experience, but also meet the diversity thresholds that you're setting for that clinical trial. That's excellent. So are there any disease states or conditions that kind of rise to the top in your uh, day-to-day and work that you do? So we are working with all sorts of diseases, whether it is cancer, whether it is uh, rheumatoid arthritis, rare diseases, uh, you you name it. Uh, If it has, uh, in our data set, we have uh, uh, 13 different data sources. So we have over 300 million individuals in our data set longitudinally, including their death master uh, information and the SDOH. So we have a very robust data set. We're also a qualified entity with Medicare, so we have 100% of the Medicare parts A, B, and D data in our data set as well. What do you see as some of the challenges in your line of work that specialty pharmacies that are out there listening could help you with, could assist you with, based on um, maybe not having enough participation or uh, sectors of the United States that aren't being helped or covered? but share with our listeners about how they could work with you. Sure, so one of the ways they can work with us is to understand if there are, as you said, Todd, you know, gaps in care. Are there pockets where they're not getting the, the medications? But also looking at, you know, for specialty pharma, are there people who are getting second or third line agents first instead of the first line agents? So you can then identify, you know, where do practice patterns differ? How do you then use that? We're also building a... Uh, a pharmaceutical to disease mapping uh, solution. So if you are looking for a specific uh, area, let's say uh, solid tumor oncology, we can identify the drugs that are related to that and then through our work with our data, we can then identify physicians or patient attributes that you might need for your research or for your business needs. 
That's really interesting. Russell, um, I would like to have you back on the show. We do an NASP podcast about once a month. We could do a deep dive and bring on some specialty pharmacies to talk with you about different scenarios and different conditions, as well as different parts of the world. Maybe even some of the local uh, representation or politicians that really want to understand how is this impacting their cohorts? How is this impacting their communities? But um, I think there's a lot of information that you bring to the table that's extremely important to specialty pharmacy. Yeah, no, absolutely, Todd. We'd be more than happy to do that. Thank you so much for participating in the show. Great, thank you. Hey, you know what? I met Natalie Park, PharmD, from Pharmasol. And if you haven't heard her interview, it's on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. It was on Digital Therapy Talks show. And we were so excited to have Natalie. Now we have her partner, Samia Warart. I wanted to say I'm so excited to meet the, the other half of the team. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, introduce yourself. Um, tell our listeners about Pharmasol and why you're excited to be here at the NESP. Yeah, definitely. So my name is Samia. I'm co-founder and chief product officer at Pharmasol. And Pharmasol is truly revolutionizing how we can have conversations with patients and do that at scale. So we're conversational AI and we automate frequently had conversations from education, follow-ups, and answering any frequently asked questions patients have. So my background is actually in clinical machine learning. I wrote my thesis at MIT on how we can get computers to process and represent clinicians' thinking. That's what we're doing at Pharmasol. We're taking pharmacists' decision-making, how they think about things and their knowledge base, and we're automating that all away. So for example, uh, if you know, I may ask you, like, hey, nausea is a common side effect. If you say you have nausea, I'll ask you how severe is it? Because if it's something that's really you know, impacting your daily life, then the answer isn't to keep taking it. But if it's not too bad, then I'll tell you to, you know, it's, it'll be okay, or get better, and you can stick with it. Otherwise, you know, reach out to me anytime you need additional help or you have questions. I think of the importance of your product and service embedded into specialty pharmacy because of how expensive it is to keep people on these medications, to get them started, and how Pharmasol could come up behind the um, physician and the pharmacist instruction and really be a, a gap filler of that kind of communication to keep things going and to keep our uh, patients adherent on their medications. Could you give us a disease or a condition example of how Pharmasol is effective? Yeah, definitely. I think one thing when we think about like injections, so when we know that patients have received their medication, uh, their injection, we'll send them information on here's how to take it. And one of the parts of injections are commonly about, you know, you need to rotate the site. So one of the things that patients can actually ask us is like, oh, why do I have to do that? And really answering the sort of follow-on questions that patients may have, but they never had the opportunity to ask because they now are taking it and now they don't have that pharmacist there to help them and support them to really answer those gaps. I think that's what we're really doing is that this knowledge base exists out there, but today we're giving the high level, you know, the most important things uh, to patients. But patients sometimes have like more questions and they have like, you know, more follow-on and we're able to fill in those gaps and really help meet what their needs are and what they are nervous and curious about. If a specialty pharmacist, a specialty pharmacy organization is listening to this interview and Pharmasol has piqued their interest, how do they get involved in using the product for their patient? Do they have to build some kind of API between Pharmasol 
in a pharmacy management system. Tell me how it actually gets connected so that we can get it to the patient. Yeah, definitely. So Pharmasol, we're built on APIs ourselves. So what we can do is we can work with your current systems to send requests to our systems anytime there's a prescription that was received or was dispensed. And then the, similarly, we also want to charge back up to your, uh, your clinician and staff when it's necessary to really have intervention. So we can send that request back. Today we use SMS text messages to communicate with patients, but because we're built on APIs, we can actually be embedded into any existing uh, application or you know, mobile app that you currently use as well. Pharmasol, so farm, P-H-A-R-M, uh, A, and then S-O-L. Uh, E-S-O-L. E-S-O-L. So, Pharmacy so Farm E-Solutions. E-Solutions. So, Farm E-Sol. So, Farm e Please take a look at this organization. I'm really impressed. That's why that I wanted to have you back. We're going to plan some additional talks with Natalie. We're going to get some pharmacists involved in some roundtables and discussions. But I'm excited about what you're doing, and we want to continue to support you. But once again, if you're listening, take a look at Pharmasol. Yeah, thanks for having me, Todd. And I think, you know, AI is continuing to grow, especially the applications of pharmacy can be so impactful in improving patient care, really meeting them where they are, while reducing, uh, you know, clinician-like workload and creating that operational efficiency. Makes sense. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. resources that the pharmacy technology resource that I used to be part of in blogging and looks out to as well as the pharmacy podcast network um, which took over I stopped blogging I started podcasting is a specialty pharmacy continuum and I have David Bronstein here David welcome to the show Hi, thank you so your organization is a light and it brings um, tons of information mm-hmm. about specialty pharmacy to the market Tell us what you're working on and what the outlook of specialty pharmacy is from your perspective. Sure. So uh, for me, one of the highlights at this meeting was the uh, workshop on Monday focusing on health system specialty pharmacy. Um, you know, it was a wide-ranging kind of um, list of topics. One that I thought was particularly powerful was looking at the value of building uh, dashboards and other clinical patient data monitoring tools. So the folks at Vanderbilt Pharmacy are, are innovators in this area. And one of the examples that they used was um, they had a particular thorny issue with inflammatory bowel disease patients. When you're on a biological therapy for that condition, you're prone to opportunistic infections, tuberculosis, that kind of thing. So you need periodic lab work done to show that you're free of infection so that you can get a renewal of your, of your biologic. So at Vanderbilt, that was not getting flagged in a timely fashion. And so renewals were getting denied because the lab monitoring values were not in the electronic medical record. So what they did was they built a, built a dashboard that enabled the specialty pharmacists to track values, to get an alert about four weeks before the date for the renewal. And if they didn't see the labs in there, they could reach out to the various folks, nurses, um, you know, other stakeholders involved in monitoring to get it done. And they went from a pre-implementation rate of about 80% of those renewals getting delayed to about 25%. So it, it worked really well, and it's become their standard of care, the IBD clinic. So obviously that benefits patients. They get their renewals quicker, less frustration, better adherence, better clinical outcomes but it also benefits other stakeholders. Drug companies certainly like to see that their drugs adherence and uh, their 
uh, drug utilization is going up because of this. So they have this talent for looking not just at what the, the patient benefit is to an intervention, what is the benefit to payers, stakeholders, et cetera. Um, the other example they used was uh, asthma. So patients have certain markers for noncompliance or poor disease con control. It could be a reduction in lung function. It could be an over-reliance on short-acting beta agonists, which treat your acute symptoms but don't get to the underlying treatment um, or the underlying mechanisms of asthma. Um, so they built some of those indicators of disease control into their dashboard for asthma, and they were able to intervene when those red flags suggested that the patients weren't compliant, or they were relying on too much of the wrong medication, or other kinds of things that, that reduced their asthma control. It reduced hospitalizations, which as a lot of our readers and listeners probably know, if you fall above a certain threshold, CMS will ding you on your reimbursement if you've got uh, excessive hospitalizations for asthma, chronic, a lot of other chronic diseases. So again, it was an intervention that benefited patients, but also um, health systems from a financial standpoint, compliance, finances, et cetera. So I think those were two powerful examples. There were other sessions at that workshop that didn't just look at clinical and financial issues. They looked at things like social determinants of health, um, which I think is kind of cool and, and a, a topic that a lot of um, meetings that I've been to have sort of not really looked at too closely. So how do you not only get patients help for affordability, the financial toxicity of medications, how do you help them with housing issues, how do you help them with food insecurity, how do you address um, you know, health literacy deficits that may get in the way of, again, drug compliance and clinical outcomes. So I thought that was a great session. Uh, I dipped in at one point to the pharmacy law session, and they talked about uh, this year being sort of a, uh, a watershed for PBM reform mm -hmm. based on a lot of different developments. Yep. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. A lot of our readers are going to be encouraged to see that PBM reform is, is on the docket, so to speak, yep. and there'll be active, uh, you know, hopefully gains in that area. I think in terms of gl more global trends, there's a lot of collaboration here that's evident in the panel discussions between payers, clinicians, providers, um, manufacturers, and patient assistance program is, is a great example. So there's a session that showed that not only can that benefit patients um, from a financial point of view, but it increases adherence. And there's a lack of awareness about all the different resources that are out there. It's not just copay mm -hmm. programs. It's not patient assistance programs. It's state-run programs. It's disease advocacy groups. The challenge is that a lot of pharmacists and patients don't know where to look. So, and if it's a manual process, it takes a long time, and treatment delays result, financial toxicity results. So there's a lot of tech companies out here that have solutions for that, so it doesn't have to be a manual process. There's a lot of web-based resources that have been talked about in a lot of the sessions here. So, you know, it's not just about the money at this meeting, it's about the patient, um, 
uh, perspective, helping them afford therapies so they can hear better and the disease outcomes improve. So I think that's a really, you know, there's a lot of, we've been covering specialty pharmacy for about 12 years, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of sessions at meetings that focus on the economics of specialty pharmacy, and it needs to. I mean, the people who come to these meetings need to hear that. Doug Log's sessions was, was brilliant yep. in that regard. But at the end of the day, it's also about patient care. Um, and I see that awareness at this meeting perhaps more than a lot of other meetings I've been to. So it's been really, um, it's been innovating. I've got a bunch of great ideas for stories that we've already posted on our website today. Um, we'll have a special dispatch e-newsletter on Friday uh, featuring content from the meeting. Our November, December issue will be chock full of NASP stories. And um, I'm really excited. I think there's a lot of really cool things happening in, in this specialty. Talk to me about digital therapeutics. What coverage have you done on, on smart inhalers or something yeah. that's involving that? So one of the challenges with digital therapeutics is that a lot of payers don't see the value in mm -hmm. them and they're not paying for them. So even though there's a handful of FDA-approved digital therapeutics for uh, autism and some, from other, for some other conditions, we did a story a couple of months ago which uh, you know, noted that a pretty high percentage of payers are pushing back on um, reimbursing for digital therapeutics. So, so I think that especially pharmacy providers and providers in general need to do a better job of saying, hey, there's data out there that support that these platforms can help improve adherence, mm -hmm. improve drug utilization, and therefore it's in the interest of the payers to pay for them. Um, I think it's, it's going to be just a growing trend. Technology in, technology in general is, is being acknowledged as a really important pillar of drug therapy for patients. I think payers are a little bit behind the, 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 um, the trend a little bit, but they'll get there, hopefully. David, thank you for being part of our post show. Um, one of your fans and have followed your magazine for a while, so Great. I appreciate you. Oh, well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's thank a lot you. Of fun. Hey, we are here. This is the second day of the NASP 2023. Um, I'm, I'm curious about what's happening in the industry from logistics, from artificial intelligence, from some of the pharmacy management systems that are here. Tim McElroy, thank you so much for being part of the post show and introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure, my name is Tim McElroy and I'm with Noble International and we're here in NASP. We have, uh, we're working with ZS Associates, present a poster on information about a patient experience, um, especially when it comes around to um, onboarding and training with patients that are on a biologic or some type of device. And so, um, Sean, introduce yourself and then we'll get into some of the things that we do. Sean, it's Sean Jin, right? Glenn. Glenn. And you're with ZS Associates. That's right. Talk to us about this white paper and what, what came of it. So I think one of the things that's interesting that like, Tim was saying about creating a new patient experience, but what was different about what they did in this instance was that this patient experience was delivered via specialty pharmacy, and that's one of the reasons that we're presenting here at NASP. Okay. And Tim, when you put together a patient experience paper, how are you balancing that with uh, feedback from the actual pharmacist that was part of the treatment and therapy as well? Yeah, we worked really closely with the specialty pharmacy, and um, really, it, it was a, a great education for, for myself and I think our group, just understanding um, 
the organization, the logistics, things that have to happen as from an operations point of view. Uh, obviously, we, we came in with the full intent to build a better patient experience. But to get to that patient experience, there's steps that we had to follow, uh, processes that we had to understand, and then how do we implement ourselves into that process without disruption to the business in and of itself. Sean, after the outcome of the paper, what are some of the key um, lessons that taught you from, from that patient's experience in a more complex uh, drug regimen? Um, well, I mean, without getting into the specific results of the study itself, um, I think that <clears throat> one of the findings was that this patient experience could be delivered via specialty pharmacy. Was there was kind of theory ahead of time that specialty pharmacy would be uh, a great outlet. You know, they have that you know front and center relationship with the patient, um, and you know we wanted to see this work. And as Tim said, we went through kind of a lot of steps working with our specialty pharmacy partner in this case, um, and in the end result. You know, we're kind of looking forward now towards more commercial applications of this type of program after doing you know, the pilot and seeing the success that we had. Uh, what disease state was this surrounding with regards to the patient? Well, the way we looked at it, we had multiple different products of biologics, but we had, near, I think, nearly 14 indications, primarily in the immune-mediated inflammatory disease, like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, derm, psoriasis, uh, and then asthma, and then also uh, gastroenterology, or Crohn's, and ulcerative colitis. So within those spaces, um, I think 14, uh, 13 to 14 indications that we, we covered within this pilot. What other research will you be expanding on and maybe coming out with additional papers? Well, we would actually like to take, we use this as a pilot. We'd like to go into next year actually expanding it. This, this study was done primarily with injection-naive patients, but we'd like to also include switch patients. Um, I think the applications that we have around the, the challenges with onboarding and, and use of uh, self-injected, self-administered type products uh, will have a broader application. So we're going into next year looking for partners, looking at opportunities to increase that patient population that we look at and then hopefully see even more things than what we saw out of uh, the pilot that we, that we ran this year. This is exciting. Um, we'd like to hear more about this. I'm going to follow up with you for sure. I think our listeners would be extremely interested in this content. However, um, if listeners are chiming in, there's specialty pharmacies that may want to participate in or work with you. How do they get a hold of you? Sure. Um, you can simply you can go to our website, uh, gonoble.com. That's G-O-N-O-B-L-E.com. Uh, you can email me personally, tim.mcleroy, that's M-C-L-E-R-O-Y, M -C -L -E -R -O -Y, at gonoble.com. Um, we're, we're wide open to look at folks who really want to look at uh, looking at bringing in benefits to multiple stakeholders through patient engagement. So yes, we'd love to have folks to reach out. Very good. And Sean, how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, similar to what Tim said, they can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn or uh, at Sean S-E-A-N at zs.com. Very good. Hey, thank you for being part of the NASP 2023. Thank you. Thank you. The NASP Annual Meeting and Expo, the National Association of Specialty Pharmacies premier event was on September 18th through 21st in Dallas. I was so excited to be there uh, leading our media and our podcasting at the NASP's booth. It is an honor to be there. I have CEO of the NASP with me now, 
Um, you're closing out the show. You are, we always save the best for last, Sheila. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. I appreciate that. And, and we appreciate uh, you being part of the show and, you know, uh, talking to so many of our attendees to get their perspective, not only, um, you know, on the annual meeting and expo, but then the industry as well. It was exciting to hear people that you brought to the stage, uh, your keynote speeches, your your presentations, the continuing education that was available. I'm still hearing some really positive outcome and the expansion of the certification uh, initiatives that the NASP has helped to put together. Is there anything that you want to highlight uh, to our listeners, um, not only about the event, but about NASP moving into the new year? Sure. So I think um, what what really stuck with me, you know, a, as we left Grapevine was the, you know, the level of excitement and enthusiasm and the energy right at the meeting. I, I thought it was absolutely incredible. We had um, more than 1600 specialty pharmacy industry professionals come together to, you know, learn with and from each other to share best practices to network. Uh, this meeting broke all records. We had um a record number of attendees, sponsors, exhibitors, posters on display. Um, you know, we had we separate our education into four distinct tracks. So we focus on clinical operations, regulatory, and then the specialty experience. Um, and so I was just um, extremely pleased with just just that the buzz, right? That that was that was happening in, in Grapevine, and um, you know, as, as everybody focuses on specialty pharmacy and, and what's coming next. I like the theme, Sheila. Core clinical, operational, regulatory, and specialty experience, and the aspects of the entire industry, and how our uh, three-part series has a mixture of exactly that and, and who participated. I want to give a shout out to everyone that were part that was part of the NASP twenty twenty three. Uh, Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage. Um, Sheila, any uh, shout outs um, to to your team or anyone that was special that, that comes to mind um, as you as you spent time uh, in Dallas? Oh my gosh, Todd, so many. And I would be remiss, I, I didn't even mention on, you know, Monday before the main conference begins, we had six in-depth workshops, right, that were very focused on a specific topic. And so, you know, um, NESP members and, and co-chairs of committees actually helped to prepare those agendas and select the speaker faculty. So um, that's just a really intense day of learning. So, um, you know, that was, um, you know, th that was incredible as well. But yeah, there's so many people that are involved in this meeting. Um, it's, you know, definitely, um, you know, a major undertaking, but you see when everybody comes together, um, you know, what the, uh, what the, uh, the outcome is or, or the impact. And so obviously, you know, the NASP board of directors and the NASP team, right? We're still a very small team, but just a very, very mighty and accomplished team. And then all of the folks who volunteer their, their time and, and their energy to NASP and sharing their experience and expertise, right? Our speaker faculty, um, our, you know, our poster presenters, we have the folks that help to review the abstracts and, you know, determine what posters we're going to display. We have the peer reviewers who, you know, review the slide decks to make sure that, you know, everything has the proper citation and the information is up to date and accurate. Um, and then also, you know, obviously our attendees, right? And we, we welcome both members and non-members, but then our sponsors and exhibitors um, and just, you know, the, the time um, and, you know, the financial investment they make in NASP and just, uh, you know, making the conference um, 
offer something for everybody. And I, and I heard that over and over again, you know, when I was talking to folks, they said that they, you know, they really enjoy this meeting because there's something for everybody and they feel welcome. And, and so that really, um, that really makes me feel like, you know, we did a good job. Did an amazing job. Your team is just incredible. I love working with them. Uh, shout out to NASP's communications and marketing team. Everybody that put this together. We are excited. We are coming back, Sheila, for our fourth coverage of uh, the NESP 2024 at the Gaylord Opryland and Resort and Convention Center in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm already excited about this one. Me too. Um, you know, obviously Nashville is, is a pretty fun and exciting place. Definitely, um, you know, a draw for folks. There's so much to see and do. You know, Nashville has that same type of energy and enthusiasm. So I'm really hope, hoping that that will, you know, um, tra transcend um, to the conference. Um, but I, and I can tell you that we're going to offer all of the same things that folks have, you know, come to expect from an NASP meeting. Obviously, you know, the workshops and uh, the, the core educational tracks, and then also our networking events and, you know, our ever popular uh, women in specialty pharmacy luncheon, and then also um, our Educate to Cultivate uh, networking event. And, and this is an event that we put together to learn something about, um, you know, where that meeting is being held that year. And so um, this year in Dallas, we learned all about the different types of cowboy hats and people had the opportunity to get a cowboy hat and mold it the way they wanted with the crease in the brim. So that was fun. I, I, I'm sure um, folks saw people walking around with these hats. They were definitely um, a hit. So we're, we're really looking forward to bringing back, you know, the attendee favorites, but we also want to hear from folks. What, what, you know, what could we do better? What didn't you like? How do we make um, improvements? And what are those, those timely topics that you need to learn more about, right? And, and where should we be focusing our effort as we start to prepare very soon, um, you know, our, our educational agendas and, and trying to, you know, kind of put all of those pieces together of, the, of this huge puzzle. So all of that feedback is so um, incredibly uh, helpful to us. And also our sponsors and exhibitors, the same kind of thing. You know, what did you like? We love to hear that, but what didn't you, or what could we do better and, and make it a better experience for you? Um, because that's how we get better. Absolutely. I like how the sponsors are also part of helping with content development and it makes you feel that everyone's vested and it's really about um, pushing and moving specialty pharmacy forward uh, for the purposes of our of our patients who desperately need specialty pharmacy and pharmacists who are passionate about healthcare. So Sheila, this was um, an absolute pleasure to be part of your comms team. We can't wait to see everyone in Nashville, October 6th through 9th, 2024. We have lots of podcasting coming up uh, throughout the fall of 2023 and into the new year. Um, please stay tuned and thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Todd, so much for your support. And yes, we look forward to 2024.